0: Well, good to see you all here and uh, spending some time in God's Word. If you wouldn't mind, we were going to be in Colossians chapter 3 this morning. You can start turning your Bibles uh, there. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take one home with you from the chair in front of you. It's so the one time you're allowed to actually steal uh, from the church. Um <laughs> So excited to be working through this book of the Bible. Hopefully you've been blessed by that. And it's fun even this morning to have an opportunity to see different people who are using their gifts differently in the church and figuring out kind of how God's wired them up. And I even like what he was mentioning, how just using his gifts is just, there's something about that. There's something about when you're in your sweet spot. Anybody discover in the last five, 10 years when you're not in your sweet spot, it just just doesn't feel right. I've joked before in the service is that uh, really I prefer uh, preaching because counseling sometimes is a little tough for me. My wife actually points to this because I have a tendency to move too quickly to things that somebody should stop or start doing instead of patiently listening and, and processing through. Any other guys have some problems with this, moving too quickly to things you should do differently? Uh, in fact, I mentioned this in one of the uh, sermons, uh, my tendency towards that. And, uh, and Doug Flagg, who's one of our elders here, he sent me this uh, video. He said, maybe this is your counseling uh, style. See if you recognize this video. That let me uh,
1: tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. <laughs> I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. <laughs> uh, how does that sound? That sounds great.
0: <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact.
1: <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and <laughs> I, I don't make change. All right. <laughs> and go. I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, h- you're there. Stop it! <laughs> uh, I'm sorry? It? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I T. <laughs> so what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it! So I should just stop it. There you go. <laughs>
0: There you go. So that's uh, my counseling tactics. So uh, you can, uh, uh, I now I know now there's gonna be a real lineup out my door. Uh, so, but I uh, titled this morning's uh, message "Stop It" because really we started last week to move into the conversation of the transition that's intended to happen when we're following Christ. There's some things that we're to start to embrace, and then a lot of things that we're called to stop it. And a lot of things that we're called to leave behind. And here's the the thing that that I've noticed in churches. So often in a sermon or in a message or in a church environment, we go straight to the stop it and forget any of the rationale or the motivation behind the stop it. And so often I think it feels awkward like that counseling session where you're just like, wait a second, it, it, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that. Well, it might not be more complicated than that. We're still called to stop some things, but the important thing is to look at the heart behind or the rationale behind stopping some of the old. I remember hearing a pastor that I really respected, and he was talking about his parenting, and as he said after he's looking back and he has adult children, he said, you know, if I could go back and change some things, he said, I would have done less of the what's, and more of the whys. In other words, less direction of saying, this is what you need to do, a little bit more of the, hey, this is why you need to do it. Here this morning in our section of scripture, there's definitely some stop it moments in the text, but there's also a nice blend of the why or the, the reasoning or rationale behind the transformation. And so I'm excited because I think that the, the power for transformation has to start in the motivation for transformation. And I think there's plenty of that in our section of scripture this morning. Let me pray before we explore that. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time to be together and to be in your house. We invite you now to speak to us through this text, God, and I, all of us know that there's some expected transformation as we follow you. But so often we get burned out with the idea of just stop it, stop it, stop it, without anything with a heart, or no glimpse as to the reasoning behind it. I pray that this morning there might be some eyes open to your heart and your passion for us, that this is motivated by love and concern for your children. We invite you to speak to us through this text that you'd be great, I would be small. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. So Colossians 3, uh, we're just starting a new chapter, and this is verse 1, and we're looking at a motivator here. You can see if you can see it in the text. It says, if then you have been raised Stop there for some explanation. The first idea that I want to point to, you see it here, is the idea that the starting point needs to begin with looking up. He's talking to you, see it in the text. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, in other words, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been a knee and embraced him as Lord and Savior, then you're supposed to seek the things that are above. And what is above is Christ at the right hand of God the Father. And so the starting point for any transformation in someone's life, if you're wanting to see change, it has to start by looking up and seeing him. Start by looking up. You can't start with stop that. You have to start rather with look at that. Look at his goodness. Look at his glory. Look at his position as creator, almighty God, the one that loves you dearly, the one that loves you desperately enough to come live amongst you and allow us to put him on a cross. It starts with looking at him. All of a sudden you're like, ah, that's the motivation that I need for change. That's the motivation. We're told there in the text that we're to set your minds to be thinking about him and who he is. Setting your mind, your focus of your attention and your affection. I've heard people say before, you're like, oh, you don't want to be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good, right? You've heard that said before. I'd say just the opposite is is true. You don't want to be so earthly minded that you're of no earthly good. You see, putting our our mind and thoughts on him and on the things that are beyond this life all of a sudden brings you back to rational thinking about the things of this Because all of a sudden, when you've tasted something good, you're kind of like, I'm not going back to the old. I don't know if anybody grew up enjoying some McDonald's in their life. It's a time we're in church, a little time of confession, some McDonald's fans, and here no one wants to ever admit that. Have Anybody seen the Jim Gaffigan bit on that? Uh, anybody ever hear of Jim Gaffigan? Anyway, funny thing on McDonald's. Here's the, here's the thing that I've realized. At some point in your adult life, something ruins McDonald's, and here's what it is when you're introduced to a good hamburger. When you're introduced to a good uh, hamburger. I, I was introduced a number of years ago. Uh, my friend here at the church, Ephraim, he took me to uh, Paul Martin's. And, uh, and and all of a sudden, when you're exposed to the uh, the burger at Paul Martin's, all of a sudden, you go back to McDonald's, you lift the bun, and you look at the burger, and you're like what is that? Like, is that even meat? Like, what, what's, what's going on here? You take a bite of it and you're like, oh, the, where, I want Paul Martin's hamburgers. And the reason you're like, why are you bringing this up? I think that similar idea is true with our God. When you get a, a glimpse of him, you start to see things through the lens of, oh, he's the, the creator, He's the sustainer he's the he's the he's the almighty he's the he's the lover of my soul all of a sudden when you taste some of that you're like oh i can't go back that's the starting motivator. You start to see things through a different lens. All of a sudden, the sky has new vibrant colors. People you start to see differently when you look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. Even nature, even God's creation, you, you start to give him glory when you see things. I, I saw this last week, a picture that had gone pretty uh, viral on the internet of somebody had captured of, a, of an eagle. I don't know if you guys had seen this, this picture I was like, "Oh, how how majestic is that? That our our Creator des- designed that bird. Can you imagine catching that picture? Uh, the guy was actually flying towards him because it was it, it, he was in the person in the bird's territory. But anyway, pretty cool uh, picture. Uh, the idea of seeing everything through the lens of Jesus Christ. When you're looking up, it just changes your view of everything. That has to be." The starting point is what I would propose before you start getting to the, to the list of stop it, right? Before you get to the list of stop it, you have to start by looking up, but then that doesn't mean that the list of stop it isn't still there. Verse five, there's plenty that were called to stop. It says, put to death, therefore, in other words, because of this, that's why therefore is there, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Look how he starts that section, verse 5, put to death. He's pretty intense here, isn't he? He starts using language about, about murder. I Remember hearing a, a message by a pastor by the name of Matt Chandler a number of years back. He made reference to a TV show called When Animals Attack. Anybody ever see one of these shows? The idea of when, when people don't, uh, aren't wise with their interactions with animals and then it ends up going poorly. Uh, one he spoke of, I've seen this episode where there's a, a lady and uh, they're doing a, a photo shoot and she was all looking all fancy next to this lion. And uh, and they had her kind of leaning against it and doing all this. I don't know if it was a shampoo commercial or what. But the idea of Maine, I don't know. But uh, the e- either way, at some point in that process, the liner lion had enough. It was like it, it turns on this poor lady and just starts just. Beating the crud out of her. I mean, it's going poorly. They're there with tasers. They're trying to get it to stop. And finally, this lion releases, and she survives. That's why I'm able to tell the story in church. But here's the interesting thing: he's he's talking about this afterwards. They're interviewing all the people that were connected with the shoot and the lion. They're just like, "Oh, shocking to us. We had no idea that the lion would would do. so. it had been trained all the way since it was a cub. It was such a great lion." And I was thinking about that, and what what Chandler points out is the fact is like, hey, guys, guess what? It's a lion. It's an apex predator. In other words, it's at the top of the food chain. It doesn't have anything else that it's programmed with other than to kill. That's what it does. You shouldn't be shocked at the outcome. It's like setting a plate full of chocolate chip cookies next to me and being shocked that they're gone. Like, of course, that's what it does. That's what it was made to do. That's what it was designed to do. And here's the reason we point to that. Similarly, with sin, sin is made to destroy you, to kill you. And too often, we don't treat it like the apex predator that it is. We try to tame it like a house cat. We try to live with it. And and then we're all of a sudden when we really get burned by it, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Are you kidding me? That's why Paul's getting intense here. So if you're looking for a second motivator, one is by looking up. The second is by looking at yourself, self-preservation. Either you kill it or it will kill you. Either you kill it or it will kill you. Another story I was a little hesitant to tell, but I'm still going to tell it. Uh, so my friend, uh, my friend Mark in college tells the story. He was walking home from school when he was about 17, 16 years old, whatever you are in high school. And uh, he's saying every day he walked by this property and it had this Doberman pincher that would start sprinting to the edge of the property, but then it had one of those Invisalign fences. You guys ever seen those before with the collar where it's kind of shocks them and then they're like, uh, they stopped running or whatever. And he's like, man, one of these days I'm going to be walking by and that, fence isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to work, and I, I'm going to be in big trouble. So he started on his walk home from school carrying a metal club. He's like, man, I'm carrying this as pole. He's like, one of these days, it's going to go poorly. And sure enough, that day came. That dog goes sprinting to the edge of the property, and the property line, it doesn't stop it just keeps coming. Mark's like, I was standing in the center of the sidewalk and it's sprinting full speed at me, like with barking. And I mean, it was me or this dog. He said he took one swing and killed the dog instantly. And you're like, oh, I know that's so hard, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It was one of those situations that is either him or the dog. That wasn't going to go well for 16-year-old Mark if the dog made it through. That was going to go really poorly in his scenario. The similarity for us, man, if you don't have a plan of attack, premeditated murder, we might call it for our sin. Like think through what you're going to do to put it to death. How are you going to stop it? Too many people take this sin thing lightly, and then it ends up damaging or even killing them. Ultimately, that's what he's calling us to. He's saying, and then he's very specific. And uh, none of these, none of these sins are a shocker on the list, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. For us in church world, you're like, huh? That's weird. Sexual immorality made it on the list, huh? Like, are you serious? Like, of course that made the list. Why? Because it has a track record of what? Destroying so many people, so many marriages, so many uh, relationships, so many individuals, potential for intimacy. All of this comes in that umbrella of sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is anything that's outside of God's plan for sex within marriage. Anything outside of that, saying, man, you have to, you have to put that to death. You, you can't try to tame it. You can't try to figure out a way to coexist with it. That has to be treated like an apex predator. And all of the words following, impurity, passion, evil desire, all of those are direct related because they're saying, hey, guess where the battle takes place? So often it takes place in the mind. It's in the mind. All the rest are, are, are mental things. And then it's actually lived out and acted out. That It starts in the mind. You have to put it to death. And it has to be of resolve that a day is, 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 is this is the day. I'm, I'm done. I'm putting that to death. It has to start there. Just some practical ideas with that. Hey, it helps to pull other people into the process with you. Hey, this is the area, find somebody that you're close with, that that you can trust. Hey, this is the area I'm struggling with. I need help. Hold me accountable. Check in with me. I have that in my own life. It's important to have that person that can nudge you, that can check in, that can be praying for you in this area. Sin has a hard time surviving in the light, right? For so many, I've talked to people, a lot of times, guys, I'll be like, hey, how are you doing in that area? And they're like, yeah, I'm still struggling. Like, But are you struggling, or have you actually tried to find a life that the two can coexist? The idea of getting serious starts with self-preservation. He points the idea, he says, and covetousness. You're like, how does that relate to those others, covetousness? Think about how many sins relate to covetousness, though. The idea of wanting something that you don't have wanting something that somebody else has. Sexual sin definitely goes back to that. Uh, immorality, uh, anything with theft, anything with uh, with greed, all of that starts and stems out of that, and all of them are part of idolatry where you've elevated something to a place that only God is supposed to be at. These are warnings for us of things to put to death. The second part of the list moves towards the, from the, the personal towards the, a little bit more about the social sins. Look at the second list, verse 7. And those you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Second list challenging us, and we're not going to camp on all of these, but these are committed against each other. Sexual sin is primarily against yourself, not to say that it can't include others, but this is saying social sins. Anger isn't just talking about a one-time event. It's the deep-rooted bitterness that set up camp in someone's life of resentful bitterness. It's a settled heart attitude of an angry person. Anybody have that person in your life that you're like, man, what happened somewhere along the line where you just became bitter and angry and, and just hard to, hard to be around? You're like, it's not based on circumstances. They're, they just have roots of bitterness that have set up camp. He's saying as a believer, as someone that's following Jesus Christ, you need to put that off, put off anger wrath is referring to quick bursts of anger it's definitely related to anger it's the the root cause is anger and the wrath is then the outburst of anger It's kind of when something's stewing and it, it finally boils out and so many are, are uh, privy to this or are, are uh, vulnerable to this Where wrath comes out, where bursts of anger—I was reading some even on that, and even in my own study of that, wrath so often is stems out of control issues. Control issues when you're not able to control your environment, you lash out in response to that. He's saying that's not what we're supposed to be about. A lot of us that parent can relate to that one. Malice—that one's an interesting word. It's the intent on doing harm. To others, the intent of doing harm to others. You might say, You're like, we don't, we don't have that. We don't suffer from that. That sounds kind of barbaric. Intent to harm others. But is it actually barbaric? Or is it something that we maybe don't act on physically? But look at the word right after that. We settle with slander. Slander is our present-day version of malice where we actually talk poorly about someone and tear them down mentally or their reputation down by pointing out things like, uh, oh, isn't, isn't John great? Well, sometimes he's great. I'm not talking about John Irwin. I'm just talking made up John. Sometimes he's great, but what about this? You know what I mean? There's those little subtle tearing down of character that can happen. That slander. He's saying as a Christ follower, that's not what we're supposed to be about. Obscene talk, lying, obscene talk is the idea of anything perverse coming out of your mouth, whether it's the the language that you choose, certain uh, uh, letter words that come out where you're like, oh, remember in high school I was at a party, this was pre adrian and there was a girl that I thought at this party was so cute, and the whole evening was build up the confidence to finally go talk to her. Remember, finally doing that and talking to this girl for like three minutes. In that conversation, she used like more bad words than a trucker I've ever met. Like all of a sudden, the pretty meter went what? You're like, wait a second. That's, there's something about that. It just doesn't fit, right? Similar for the Christ follower. He's saying these things just don't fit. Lying, which is imitating Satan and the, the primary tool in the world around us, not acceptable. All of these things... He's saying, leave, go back to the image of the creator where you're renewed in knowledge. It's the reason we gather each week. And that ends with the idea of how it's possible. Christ is all and in all. He's the only one that can take and root these things out. So second motivation is protecting yourself. This next one, verse 12, is kind of a picture of what life can look like on the other side of this. Instead of these things, take them off. and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. This picture here is a little bit different from the other, rather than the, the darkness that has, that, that, that's calling on God's wrath. He's saying, here's another picture, or an alternate way of doing life. You start looking at this, and you start realizing, oh, that sounds that sounds way better. Like, that's a, the that's a kind of person I want to be around. You, you're going to take off the old, but then you have to replace it with some new, right? The new sounds fantastic. This uh, last week, and I'm not mentioning any names, but two of my kids uh, got uh, in trouble and uh, actually had what we do when our kids get in trouble. I don't know, parents, if you do this, but we eliminate screen time. And when I say screen time, that's basically TVs, phones, iPads, anything with a screen in front of it. We say, all right, you're, you're, you're going the next week with no screens. And uh, the, fir- the first day for the two of them, it was kind of like watching a meth addict come off of a drug. They're 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 in the cur- cur- the corner in the fetal position. A little twitch to their, their 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 pointer finger, you know, like they're they're like they're going through withdrawal. But then it's been fun watching this. We're like five or six days into this, fun watching them. All of a sudden, adopting some new things to do. They're hanging out with friends, playing in the pool. We went we went on a family walk together. Imagine that, right? My 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 daughter, of course, not calling any names, but Alexa came to me the other day, and she's like, "Dad, she's like, Dad, get, did you guess where I was at? Guess where I was just at?" She's like, "And I was like, I have no idea. I was watching TV." Uh, But uh, (laughs) so (laughs) so she so she says uh, so she says I I was outside, and she's like, "Guess, "Guess what I was doing?" I was like, I have no idea what you're doing. She's like, I was laying in the grass in the front yard, just staring at the stars. I was like, Ah, oh, why do we have screens? You know, like why? Why don't we permanently eliminate that? Amen. Anybody for that? A- a- and then uh, there, there we got charismatic for a moment there. <laughs> Slow down, guys. Uh, we're gonna. But but here's here here's the picture. Here's the picture. And then the, another one was doing some yard work unsolicited. I was like, oh my, lots of things. Oh, I know. But anyway, here's the, the idea when all of a sudden you put off the new and you start to get a glimpse of what, uh, put off the old and you start to get, get a glimpse of what the new looks like. You're like, oh, this is way better. Man, th- this is a community I want to be in where people are compassionate and kind and humble and meek and patient. And all of this wrapped in love—it sounds like a hippie commune. You're like, "Are you kidding me?" I want this. I don't want that. I I don't want any of this. And all of this was wrapped. Do you notice the thing that it points to as one of the key ingredients to this type of community? It's forgiveness forgiveness. That's what makes this work. He he describes as forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, not holding on to stuff. That's key in this new life. This new transformation is, uh, hey, you don't have permission to do that any longer. In fact, it says, says which I'm sorry, says forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. It's not like, hey, you might want to consider forgiveness. Uh, That might be a possibility. No, you don't have permission as a Christ follower to hold on to stuff against people. That's just not part of the equation. And nothing else seems to work if you don't get that piece figured out. None of this other stuff works until you... And if you think about it, it only makes sense. You can't receive all this grace and forgiveness. Oh, yeah, I love that grace. He gives me that forgiveness. And then not extend it to others. It's, it's, a, it's disgraceful. So the call to that, what he invites us to, this new life, is driven and, and rooted in and forgiveness, releasing people. And the ironic thing about bitterness and holding on to stuff is you think you're holding something against them and that's impacting them. Whoever you're holding on to your junk against, like they have no idea or most likely have no idea and don't really care. And instead, guess who you're damaging? You. That's who you're damaging. You just keep watching that film over and over and over. Again, God's saying, oh, I want you to live free of that and release people from what you've been holding against them. This new life is amazing. And sin keeps you from living the best life that God's designed for you. So much confusion about that. He's like, I- I'm doing this because I know what's best for you. That's what I invite you to, the new life is amazing. If you're looking for motivators, there's another one. We'll wrap up in this last section, picture of how he intended it to work. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, continuation of this beautiful picture of what he invites us to. But the thing I wanted to point out in this section of a motivator is caught up in this word. It says, teaching and admonishing one another. This picture of community. You see, God designed you to be in relationship. He wanted us not to be isolated doing our own things as our, as our culture points to, but instead to be in community doing things. That's his Design for the church. So transformation. This is this is freedom. This is good. You weren't designed to change and transform all by yourself. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna really change. He said, No. I want you to be in a community where the word of God is, or the word of Christ dwells in you richly. If it's dwelling in you richly, it's not just like, oh, just more information. It's actually changing you. You're transforming. You're becoming different. That's when it's dwelling richly in you. And he says that happens when there's teaching and admonishing one another and worshiping and singing songs. It almost sounds like a church service, right? It almost sounds like a church service, teaching and admonishing one another. Hey, that's what we try to do here on Sundays. We try to teach from God's word so that you're deeply rooted in Christ. And admonish is to warn and reprimand firmly. This is the idea of what God's word does, and it should lead us to psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what we gather for. I think there's sometimes a little confusion about this, that the worship is supposed to build towards the teaching part. I would suggest just the opposite. The teaching, what we do here, is supposed to make us better worshipers. So you're more dynamic, where you're more in love with Christ, where it just exudes out of you. Guess who's going to be out of work in heaven? this guy. Like, no one's going to be gathering to hear Scott talk about God's Word. You know, you're like, "Uh, excuse me, Jesus, Scott's about to start a sermon. You're like, no, (laughs) that's not ever going to happen. But guess who's going to be employed? That's why I chose poorly. Chad, Erica. They're going to have a job to do. They're going to be singing and leading and all of us joining in. That's the beauty of God's design. He wanted us to do this in community. That's the invitation that we have. When you start thinking about these motivators, when you start thinking through, hey, it's not just a a stop it thing. It's a, hey, I looked at this, but then I tried that burger and it's so much better. All of a sudden, when you start to look at it from the motivator of, wait a second, if I don't kill it, it's going to kill me. When you start to look at it and you're like, wait a second. What he calls me to is much more the life that I want and desire. And the community thing is just, a, is just a cherry on top. All of this is God's picture. More than just stop it, he's saying, hey, this is the reason why. I hope that impacts us here this morning. Let me pray as we wrap up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and how you're not the counselor that just uh, says, stop it. You're the counselor that walks us through the why. Because there's so much better on the other side. There's so much more beauty. There's so much more life on the other side. I love when you tell us, God, that you came that we'd have life to the fullest. I think this pictures that. God, my prayer is coming out of this that we take our stop it list a little bit more seriously, though. To see it as apex predators, not something to to try to tame or try to uh, cohabitate with. God, I pray that you'd stir and meet us exactly where we need to be met this morning, the way that only your spirit can do. Convict where we need to be convicted, encourage where we need to be encouraged. God, meet us in this place this morning. Now we worship you in song, God, appropriately. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, I hope that out of this, that you see that this is a picture, the taking off and the putting on is a picture of, of walking away, of stuff that just doesn't satisfy, doesn't fulfill in the new life that he invites us to. So much better. Done with McDonald's. On to Paul Martin's. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. If we can be praying for you after the service, we're available.